0: It's uh, good to be with you all um, this afternoon. I really enjoy. Uh, I don't get a, a chance to come of an evening um, because of family and other dynamics. But it's uh, when when I do get a chance to come here, it's always nice to to uh, celebrate God uh, with you all. And uh, so I want to start with a question. Now that you know the parable, the ins and outs of the parable, I want to ask you a question. And this is this is my question: How do you know? you've made a good choice in your life? Think think back. How do you know you've made a good choice in your life? How do you know you've made a right decision? Who decided it was a good choice? And uh, what made it good? Did you decide that it was a good choice? Or did somebody else tell you it was a good choice? And what I want to do this afternoon, tonight, is I want to frame... Uh, this this parable with my own personal parable, if you like, my own personal story and experience. And this involved travelling to Mexico and living in Mexico for a while. So I was working here at Door of Hope along with my wife, Christy. Uh, I was part of the creative team and uh, been in that role for quite uh, a number of years. And um, during about February, March, I was, I, I was starting to wake up really early. I mean, the days are nice and long then, which is always makes it easier a bit warmer too but it's not common for me to wake up early and so I thought maybe God is doing something what's God saying and I was spending more and more time in God's word and um, I was following a a daily reading plan and um, at that point I was in Ecclesiastes and it's probably the worst book when it comes to your purpose in life you know meaningless meaningless everything is meaningless uh, which is uh, uh, chapter one um (laughs) And so I was up to chapter 10, and chapter 10, verse 10, caught my eye in a way that nothing else had done earlier in the year. If the axe is blunt and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. That's got nothing to do with tonight, except to let you know that that hit me like a ton of bricks, and I realized that God was up to something. And what I decided to do was actually spend some time with Steve. And over the coming months, uh, we met on a regular basis to try and work out uh, what God might be doing. And that eventually led to me resigning from my my role here at Door of Hope and along with Christy. We eventually sold our house. Uh, We had a newborn. Our second uh, uh, boy was was born. And within three months, we relocated to Mexico uh, with basically no savings other than what we'd gained from our home. We sold all of our possessions, and we moved to Mexico to see what would happen. And um, uh, while we were there, we didn't know what we would do. Uh, My sister lives there, so we were going to spend some time with her. Um, My kids and their kids had never met, so there was that interesting dynamic. But what had happened was that we were available. And uh, we met, we connected with some American missionaries that were also moving to Mexico for the first time, and they ended up being our neighbours, and they were starting a school. Uh, with the focus of teaching English and Spanish to these kids with the hope that they would uh, be able to get better skill in terms of finding work uh, when they grew up. And um, uh, I helped at the school. I ended up painting the majority of the school because I had nothing else to do before they came. I ended up teaching at the school, which uh, was an experience that I very much cherish. Uh, we helped run Alpha course in Spanish. There was the marriage um, course that Alpha also run. So we were part of this. And then uh, with only a few weeks left, uh, because of our visa, the time was uh, running out and we were not sure what was gonna happen next. And then we eventually got a call, literally from um, Wellview uh, Center out at St. Leonard's, asking us if we would consider moving back to Launceston and, and teaching. And so uh, we had no home, no financial security, no job that paid, and this was now our new season. Uh, And this was uh, four years ago. And so I asked myself this question. Did we make a good choice? Did we make the right decision? Because as far as the world goes, the world's worldview, if you like, says that you need to do the opposite of what we did. Actually, you need a good foundation in life. You need to maybe invest in in a property, rent it out or live in it, Get a security, if you like, for 10, 20 years down the track. Think of your superannuation. And basically, my wife and I, uh, our family, we did completely the opposite. So I ask the question again, did we make a right choice or uh, did we make a right decision? And I'll come back to that story later. But first, I want to talk about parables because um, this is the first evening on this theme. So let me just briefly describe what a parable is. And um, one helpful way of talking about a parable is a word picture. It's a word picture that reveals the reality of God. And so parables describe what God is like, who he is. And actually, Jesus is not the only person, only man who taught in parables. Uh, The Greek word for parable describes Jesus' activity in the Gospels, but actually, from a Hebrew, Hebrew point of view, uh, parables or teaching ways that were similar to parables were already part of the culture of the Israelites, of the Hebrews. And so um, Jesus taught about God using concrete illustrations that reach the heart through the imagination. That's what a parable is. And so uh, on, on one hand, you have this picture of this infinite majestic God. And on the other hand, you have this picture of daily life, the grind, two polar opposites. And yet the parable was in the middle there. This is where those two worlds collided. And this is where um, the unknown was taught through the known. Does that make sense? And so the entry point of the parable was where the person was at. Jesus always spoke in such a way that the people understood but then there was a flip side he was bringing something new something that they hadn't imagined before a revelation about God about his father that would change their point of view and so two things I need to mention about parables the first one is that one-third of Jesus words were parables one-third of all recorded words in the Gospels are actually parables That's a significant amount. And the second thing is that Jesus' main ministry, the main theme of Jesus' life, was the proclamation of the kingdom of God. That was, was in essence, what Jesus was about. And so Jesus' use of parables uh, weren't confronting because they were parables. Jesus' parables were confronting because of the message that these parables contained. And so this message was really about the kingdom. And uh, this is the type of kingdom that viewed things completely the other way, upside down to what was the norm. Uh, A new king was coming, a king that would rule like no other king. And the Jews knew this, they were expecting this king, but it it didn't take the form or the shape that they eventually saw. And so this king would reign in a kingdom that understood the significance of children, that understood what it meant to look after the poor, those that couldn't look after themselves, those that were hurting, those that were um, widows. And so not only would he be a king of this type of kingdom, but he himself would be a servant king. He would ultimately pay a price, that being death, in order for this kingdom to be fully alive. And not only did this king die for his people, he actually died for all of creation. And so here Jesus is proclaiming something new. It's actually a proclamation that inspires people to think differently about their lives, but also differently about the lives of those around them. And so this this language of blessed are the poor, you know the Sermon on the Mount, we call it the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who hunger, blessed are those who weep, blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. And so the way Luke puts this gospel together, you can see that um, what follows from the Beatitudes are three things. Jesus then goes on to teach about how to love one another. That's the first thing after the Beatitudes. The second thing is that Jesus talks about how not to judge others. And the third thing is an image of tree and fruit and what it looks like to have a tree that bears fruit or no fruit. Sorry, are you jumping, Dorothy? Are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> I can switch to a handheld if that helps. What do you think? You okay? I have no signal from Brendan. Okay, <laughs> keep go. So three things. And then this parable comes onto the, onto the scene. This parable... Of the wise and foolish builders this is the first parable after the beatitude after the scene on that mountain that raises a question why is it there there are parables before there are parables after but this is the one that happens immediately after that scene and so this is the parable that responds to this kingdom ethic okay those who have ears need to hear that's something else that Jesus mentioned when he talked about parables. If you are hearing this, then you need to hear what I'm saying. And so let's read the parable. So this is in uh, Luke uh, six forty-six to 49. It happens in Matthew as well, but I've chosen Luke. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete, as evidenced by the undone shadow puppet theatre company. (laughs) Now, at first glance, if you were just reading through this, at first glance, this parable is about building your life on good foundations. A quick read, without going too much further. This is not bad in itself, okay? Just hear me out. This is not bad in itself. We know that a good foundation, good choices... Decisions that you make now will have good implications for later on, okay? We get that picture. And actually, wisdom, this is the wisdom that you pick up in Proverbs, uh, the practical wisdom. Hear what the father is saying to the son. Listen to that conversation in the first nine uh, chapters of Proverbs. And it's all about practical wisdom. But Jesus is neither, he's asking uh, whether you know what the wise builder is and who the foolish builder is. That answer is already being given in the parable. He's not asking that question. The lesson is not who is wise and who is foolish. The lesson is who is hearing and who is obeying. Who is hearing and obeying? And uh, this is in the, the first bit of the, of the verse that we just read. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Question mark. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. It's about hearing and it's about obeying. So essentially what we're dealing with here is discipleship. This is what uh, being a disciple is like. If you and I are disciples, and if that word doesn't work for you, think about maybe apprenticeship or even student. If you and I are apprentices of Jesus, then our relationship is about trying to understand who he is and then what he wants. So the question now becomes this. Do you know what he is saying? Do you know what he's saying to you? Can you hear him speak? And then the follow-up question is, if so, are you putting into practice what he is saying? I would argue that that's the crux of discipleship. Everything else is secondary. Methods, um, ways of doing it, um, theology of discipleship, ideas, things that are not worked. All this is secondary in light of this simple idea of being in a relationship with someone who knows more than you do about how to do life and so what i want to do now is just highlight three things for me what are the three things that i would choose in order to engage with jesus in a discipleship way the first one is to remain in him and i'm going to refer to john 15 1 to 8 and this is probably uh the image in this is is quite powerful it's not on the screen but let me read it out to you the first eight verses and you know this well Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you, uh, sorry, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The word that comes up over and over in those short eight verses is remain. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Other older translations, the word is abide. Abide in me, and I will abide in you remain 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 and so the fruit that you produce does not come from the quality of your work it comes from your relationship with Jesus and this picture of fruit is very appropriate in a in a Middle Eastern context I grew up in Spain so I we would go out to villages and sit under the shade in the really hot summer under the shade of vine trees and you just literally um, stand and pick some grapes and have a merry time under the shade of the tree uh, or the vine and so the imagery here is powerful um, i get it i don't know if you do uh, if you don't understand fruit trees but the, the concept is powerful if you cut a vine off a branch of the vine the, the branch just doesn't do anything the reason the vine produces fruit is because it's connected to the vine and so this is our relationship with jesus and so if you want to be fruitful, it's not the quality of your work. It's not how good you are or how gifted or how skilled. It's, is, it's if you remain in Christ, if you remain in Jesus. It's all about relationship. Luke and Bev are not going because they're a doctor and a nurse. They're going because they have a relationship with Jesus. The doctor and the nurse thing comes later. And so our daily l- rhythms should be about uh, remaining on one side and fruitfulness on the other. Every day, this is what we're doing. We're swinging from one side to the other. We're abiding on one side. We're becoming fruitful on the other. Guess what happens if you abide too much? You don't, you don't produce any fruit. You're just in this, in this comfortable space, just spending all your time with God and, yay, the world is good. Only then you realize, wait on, the world is not so good Maybe my fruit needs to be benefiting others as well. There's a problem, though. If you start with all the fruitfulness bit, what happens? You grow tired. You grow weak. You run out of fruit. And then you crash. That's not helpful either. But every day, do you have a rhythm of spending time with Jesus and saying, God, what, what do you want me to do? What's your word for today? How can I encourage other? This rhythm of abiding or uh, remaining and fruitfulness so time in prayer uh, reading and reflection studying the bible memorizing scripture what about fasting jesus talked about fasting uh, being silent before the lord and actually not saying anything and just hearing what he might say these are the trad- trademarks of good disciples will you be one of them is my challenge and this is the wise person in the parable on the other hand show me a disciple who is distracted show me his disciple who is constantly occupied by trivial information and i will show you someone who is foolish also an example in the parable and so uh the second point so the first one is to remain in him the second one is to hear his voice. John 10, 27, this is Jesus saying, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Again, a Middle Eastern picture of a shepherd and his sheep. And again, I grew up in Spain, and in our town there were still shepherds who would actually be responsible for a flock of about maybe 50 to 100 sheep. Just one shepherd, and all these sheep would follow. And um, I was listening to this uh, shepherd as a a kid, and he was always whistling. He was doing little whistles, and um, he had a few dogs as well, and and, um, talking. And I thought, who is he talking to? And I realized he's talking to his sheep. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. You, if you are disciples of Jesus, you ought to know the shepherd's voice. And so what steps do you have in place to be able to hear God's voice? How do you know the Spirit is saying something to you that needs attention? If we are like sheep, then we can recognize His voice, but this requires time. It requires abiding, this word again. It requires remaining in Him. And so if you want to explore this further, then we're doing a young adults retreat. And um, we're going into this much deeper uh, this Saturday at Wellview and um, uh, Joel tells me that you can still register today I think is a cutoff and we're going to be spending this time with union with Christ what does it mean to live a life so tight with Jesus that you don't know who's who when you're talking to a person is that Jesus who I'm talking to or is this um, Luke that I'm speaking with I can't tell because so close is their relationship and here's a challenge what use is hearing Jesus' voice if you don't put it into action? Which leads me to the third point. The first one is, remain in Him. The second one is, um, hear His voice. The outcome then, the third point, is to go and do. In other words, you need to be sent. So don't wait to be called, is the little remark I want to say here. And I, I explored this A little bit earlier with Bev, we were talking, and I said, Bev, are you called or are you sent? What's the difference? Well, at one point, I'm changing my mind about this. I would have said that uh, people are called into various things, called into ministry, called into uh, being missionaries, etc., called into work. Well, actually, I'm changing my mind. We're not called into being those things. We're actually being sent. And if you look at Scripture, you realize that that's the rhythm Of uh, how God is operating what did God do he sent his son he didn't call out for anybody and Jesus said here I am send me that's another picture but God sends his son what does the son do the son says when I leave I'm gonna give you the spirit and the church becomes the sent one the disciples that are part of the church today are sent they're the ones that go and do So I suggest to you, be one of the sent ones. Don't wait for this call, whatever that means, this idea of opening your Bible and finding a verse that supports what you think you ought to do. Actually, I think uh, Steve and I, over the years, we've we've talked about this idea of calling. And um, I don't think actually all that many people that are in ministry right now, even here at Door of Hope, would say they are called. And I think that's good. Why? Because they've been sent to be part of this team. And so are you. And so be one of the sent ones. Jesus has already highlighted areas that need attention. How about the poor? How about those that are suffering? How about children, orphans, widows, the hurting? You don't need a call for that. You just need to go and do. You need to go and be. Those who know how to remain in Christ, these are the ones who know what his voice sounds like. And these are the ones who are doing things in God's kingdom. And so, in other words, these are the ones who are wise and have built foundations that can withstand any storm. Will you be one of them? Will you be one of those that proclaims God's kingdom in such a way that they say, you know what? God is up to something, and I get to be a part of that. It's not about, oh, I've got a call and therefore I have to do. It's about saying, send me. I want to be sent. Send me. So back to to my story in closing. Back to my story of Mexico. You know, we left everything here. We had no idea. Was God calling us um, to stay in Mexico? We were leaving all doors that we could open. And so when we first arrived, uh, my sister thought it would be a good idea to go and visit a circus. And if you go to Mexico, if you know anything about Mexico, um, let's just say OHS standards are different over there than they are here. And um, this was a makeshift tent with some uh, what scaffolding like risers, uh, and there was no real safety for little children. Ivy, um, she was two at the time. We were walking through in darkness trying to find our seat, and she disappeared. She went through one of the the gaps between the step and the and the previous step, and she fell three meters and uh, we ran down and um, I picked her up and she was stiff her eyes were open but she wasn't breathing and I thought oh my goodness what's happened and so we rushed her out and she's just basically uh, what do you call it when you lose your breath yeah is it uh, winded thank you she was winded and um, after about 15 minutes we we wandered into the circus again and somehow enjoyed the show but I was uh, my heart was racing a week after that we had to rush Toby who was about four months to the hospital Um, he had like croup he started coughing before we left australia but we didn't realize it was gonna get any worse and with the humidity and so on his his chest was heaving and i would never seen anything like that before i mean i've seen babies but i would never like seen just someone struggling for breath and so we had to rush into hospital and i didn't know what was going to happen and actually we stayed in hospital we we didn't have a room or anything we were just um standing next to his bed he had a mask on and trying to sort out this uh this issue and I remember thinking have we made a good choice here or not is this where we meant to be have I made a good decision bringing my family to this place one week we were meant to be there for six months thankfully God heard our prayer we we asked others to pray and and uh, Toby's all well and good now six he's six now or five now here's a third story the final one we had to cross the border Uh, into guatemala there was issues with some information that we didn't receive regarding our stay we couldn't stay for six months like we thought we had to travel south travel 12 hours to cross a border and then enter it again and that border crossing to reset our visa uh, and that border crossing was probably one of the most horrible experiences Uh, for lots of reasons you can come and ask me later three stories lord is this what we're meant to be doing this doesn't feel good is this what? Did I make a poor choice or did I make a good choice? And there were other stories as well. Christy had to had a root canal, all sorts of stuff. Um, we were all very sick at one point. Now, did we get a call to move to Mexico? My answer would be no, but we listened and we obeyed. We listened and we obeyed, and it's the same with coming back to Australia after six months. Did we get a call to come back? Well, not really, but we listened and we obeyed so how do we know we were hearing God's voice that's a great question how do we know we were hearing right well our decision was not made alone Christy and I didn't decide by ourselves right we're going to sell our house and shift overseas actually we talked to a lot of people we talked to Steve we talked to wise friends we talked to our family and we said we think this is what God is saying what do you think does that seem right to you? And actually, I want to highlight that because that's the safety net that exists in a gathering like Dora Hope, in a community like this one. You're not going to left alone. Uh, you're not going to be left alone in order to make a choice that will cause you harm. If you're a part of a community, this is the safety of Dora Hope. This is the safety of our pastors, of our ministers that will listen to you and encourage you to keep seeking God saying, yes, we think this might be right for you. We think this is what God is saying to you. And let me finish with this. This parable is not about the quality of your life. This parable is about the quality of your decision. Did you hear what I said? It's not about how to make your life better, but it's about how to hear and obey God. That's what this parable is about. So will you be a disciple who hears? Will you spend the time that you need to spend with Jesus in order to understand what his kingdom is about? That's one aspect, but will you obey is the second part. Um, If you don't address the question, then things are going to come our way. And that's the beautiful image of this storm, this, this, this water that rushes past. Actually, in Mexico, they have terrible infrastructure and we were in a little village and when the wet season came, you couldn't cross the road because it would be turned into a river. Uh, so much water was coming down from the mountain. And uh, you could see, these. Uh, this was a surfing town, and you can see no one was surfing. And I said to my brother-in-law, why isn't anybody surfing? And he said, look at the waves, they're full of dirt. And uh, you looked at these massive six-meter waves, which looked great, except for the fact that they were just full of gunk and full of dirt because of the rain. I realized what it felt like to have this Rush of water coming through. I'd never experienced that before. After our border crossing, uh, this terrible experience, we went to visit an orphanage a couple of hours later, and there was an earthquake. I'd never felt an earthquake before. The doors were shaking, and all the all the kids were running to the center. I didn't know what to do. I just followed what the kids were doing out into the open. Will you build a house? Will you build a life? Will you be wise in the things that you're doing? so that when all this stuff happens, you can stay firm. Like we did in Mexico, we stayed firm. Because if you don't address the questions, then things are going to come our way and some will be wise, some will stand, but some will be foolish. Some will fade away. So the choice is yours. How about I pray? Why don't we stand actually? Let's all stand and So, Father, uh, we come before you, Lord, and we just want to say thank you for engaging us in this concept of apprenticeship. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King, and uh, your kingdom we get to be a part of, not because of anything that I have that uh, I can offer you, but because of who you are and what you've done in in my life, in the lives of um, everyone here tonight. And so, Lord, I want to thank you that you came and spoke about a kingdom that is actually counterintuitive to the way the world sees things. And Lord, I want to thank you that it's all upside down because that means that I need to come to you and ask questions. That uh, means I need to come to you and seek what you're saying. I don't know what to do about this thing next week. I don't know what to do about um, the decision that I have to make in three months' time or six months' time. I need to spend time with you, Lord. And so, Father, I, I pray on behalf of everyone here tonight. Lord. As your disciples, I ask that we would learn to hear your voice, that we may then go and be sent, because that is part of your heart. And so, Lord, speak through your Spirit. May we find the time away from distraction a little bit every day. If it's 20 minutes in the chair, let it be that, Lord. But may we learn what it means to live in your kingdom and to be a disciple that is not only sent, but that hears your voice and compels others to do the same way. So, Lord, we uh, worship you and we say thanks for being our king. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.